Hey, Bulldog basketball fans, uh, welcome back to the Drake Basketball Podcast. Today we have a Bulldog breakdown on the Lipscomb game that took place this Wednesday in the NAP Center in Des Moines, Iowa. After a tough first half, we saw Drake take home the W, 85-70. to 70. Eduardo, uh, did you get a chance to watch the game? Yeah, I watched the last five minutes of the game and then I had to go back and watch it on on playback essentially but college basketball is back Drake basketball is back so that's all positive news a little bit of a tough game which if uh, people out there listen to our last pod I, I did say I did expected a a tough out from Lipscomb I'm gonna call them the Bisons more more often than not the Lipscomb doesn't roll off the tongue but what was your First reaction, I guess maybe let's talk about the first half and kind of the the start that they got they got after. Yeah, I think that makes sense because this this game was definitely a tale of two halves. In the first half, the fact that this roster didn't exist a year ago and that this is a brand new roster consisting of transfers, freshmen, the defensive rotations that Drake fans have come to know and love over the past few years, led by you know Roman, DJ, Garrett. Those were gone, and we were really struggling in the first half. We allowed them to score 48 points. They shot 59% from the field with six threes, and it was it was rough, honestly. I mean, I know that we predicted that this was going to be a tight game and that Lipscomb was going to put up more of a challenge than a lot of people might think. But, yeah, no, it was it was a tough first half. Our offense looked pretty good, but defensively it was a mess. Yeah, and you know, watching the playback, it's it's the precision of the rotations, right? Because it didn't feel like Drake was that late, but they were just like consistently like a half step late, just right off the bat. You know, kind of innocuous. You know, swing the ball, swing the ball, and then someone has a little bit of space, and then hits hits the three, and then they just kind of got rolling. Uh, AJ McKinnis was great for Lipscomb. You know, he had it going early. And then after they had they had you know the three going and I felt Drake was overreacting then a little bit to their to their outside game then they were trying to run run him off the line but just being a little bit too over aggressive uh, and then that was leading to some easy dump offs on the drives uh, but on the plus side as you said the the offense was was pretty good uh, all throughout the game uh, I was very encouraged uh, i think i texted you during the game you know i'm i'm really glad tucker debris is in our team uh, that's a really nice thing to have uh, but the thing that stood out to me the most just watching the drake offense operate was how much drake was putting the ball in tucker's hands to essentially kind of be a, a point forward you know kind of operate from the elbow mm-hmm. and I was really glad that tucker was not picking up his dribble which i think in years past you know sometimes gets him in a lot of trouble because that's what allows the doubles to come Uh, so he was keeping the keeping the dribble active and just attacking and going downhill constantly that was probably one of the more interesting parts of the game because obviously in the past three years before this we had roman who was always the initiator on offense and he kept his dribble alive and he would probe the defense you know he'd dribble around sometimes he'd dribble underneath the basket and then all the way back around to the top of the key and he was just always probing for those weaknesses and now we're seeing with roman gone tucker is serving as more of that initiator and because of the gravity that he has on court 
you see guys get pulled over to him for double teams, which then obviously leaves the open man. And even though I absolutely despise him, um, he reminded me a little bit of LeBron James, just in the <laughs> gravity that he has <laughs> on court now. And I think that's going to be really valuable for us moving forward. Yeah, he was making really good decisions the entire game. I was a little bit surprised that Lipscomb never really adjusted very much. I felt bad for Will Pruitt because I thought he was actually playing really good defense on him, but he was 6'3". So Tucker was taking advantage of that every single time. I mean, he was just getting to his fadeaway, driving the ball, then just pulling up and he just, he's taller. <laughs> and I mean, he just kept getting to his spots and and Lipscomb didn't really do a whole lot to adjust. Uh, so, I mean, I guess fortunately for Drake, I, I think we're used, we're so used to during the Valley season, seeing the doubles, triples come, coming at, at Tucker. But what were your thoughts on just the starting lineup? And I, I guess, I guess we're, we're a few minutes in and we still haven't mentioned the bench, which was uh, just a train wreck from a production standpoint, uh, which is not a great start to the season. But I'm trying not to overreact. But what what did you think of the starting lineup? You know, game one, uh, what De- what Coach DeBreez rolled out out there? Yeah, I mean, it was the same lineup we saw against Truman State. And I, I thought, for the most part, everyone did a really good job. Atten Wright making his debut for the Bulldogs. He was great. Uh, second best player in my mind behind DeVries, he finished with 15 points, 6 of 11 from the field, and 3 of 8 from 3. Kevin Overton didn't show up as much from a scoring standpoint. He had 7 points, but I was very impressed with him defensively. He's long, he's athletic, and he does not play like a freshman at all. It's crazy. He's already, I mean, he's truthfully Drake's, like, he's already Drake's glue guy, which is just nuts. One exhibition and one real game in. Um, you could just tell like, yeah, he only had seven points, but what I was impressed with, with his game is he was not forcing anything. Hey, I'm open. I shoot it, you know, transition game, attack the basket and just defending, passing the ball. So clearly already understanding his role. And as the season goes along, obviously he'll expand his offensive game and and aggressiveness. So I, I loved, uh, I loved Overton. Uh, and I, and I also love how, we haven't even mentioned that Tucker had 36 points and that that <laughs> probably speaks to kind of the 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 standard that that he has set for himself that you know he has a career career high 36 points just completely dominates the game and and we're you know we're kind of breaking down other aspects cuz to a certain to a certain extent you you expect Tucker to uh, to carry the load but but he really was special and then Connor and Brody did their thing. Good to see Connor just bring the energy once again. Uh, that definitely has has not left. I mean, he's such a spark plug for Drake. Yeah, finished with 13 points, two steals, four rebounds, and three charges taken, which I was worried because the NCAA said they were going to tighten up how they were calling charges this year, and I was worried we might miss out on some of Connor's classic charges taken, but he still has it. He still has it. He still has it. And he made... Uh, top 10 in Sports Center with uh, the kind of crazy finish where he just scoops the ball into into the basket. So that was that was pretty funny to see. Uh, but Drake went into went into the break down four. Second half hits. What did you see that changed or that helped turn the tide for Drake? First and foremost, 
they tightened up the defense a lot. I think DeVries um, made some adjustments. In the first half, he played a much uh, longer lineup in terms of giving more players chances to get on the court. We saw, let's see here, I think we had one, two, three, four, five. I mean, we, we played like 10 or 11 players throughout the game, but a lot of those guys played in the first half and then didn't get time in the second as coach tightened up the lineup. He brought in Ferguson, who didn't play in the first half, but he brought him back in, and I thought he uh, served as a great anchor for the defense when Brody was off the court. You know, I mean, he's he's been there last year. Uh, he knows exactly how the defensive rotations go um, in DeVries' system. And I thought he did a great job inside, even though he only played a total of like six or seven minutes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest change was just defense and then DeVries deciding to take over the game. Yeah, I there was a, a stretch there, kind of the pivotal stretch. Lipscomb comes out, hits a three. Now Drake's down seven, and then Drake goes on a 13-2 run, kind of all orchestrated by Tucker. Uh, he finds finds right in the corner. He gets the N1 for, for himself, and then you have the the two technical fouls for Lipscomb pretty much back-to-back, which which really cost them. You know, and then Drake takes their first lead, and then they just kind of never look back. They they didn't they didn't let the Bisons get into their flow. Just just cut their cut their activity and made them hold the ball a little bit more than they were in the first half. And I think that's kind of all all it took uh, to kind of keep control of the game. But I w- I will say I, I was surprised to see such heavy minutes on game one. You know, clearly coach DeBreeze figured out okay like I really need to really need to play my starters heavy minutes to close this out so if you want to be glass half empty you could say is it is it really necessary to be essentially pretty much all the starters were close to 30 minutes um some even even more than that uh on your first game of the season um and like I mentioned before just the the production from a defensive standpoint from the bench was okay, but then when you look at scoring just, I believe that was just two points from the bench the entire game, it's, it's, a, little bit, it's a little bit of a red flag. I'm trying not to overreact to, to one game. I, I also think that if we can ever figure out what's going on with Ethan Roberts, I think that helps the scoring punch off the bench as well. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like it's key to remember that you've got a lot of guys on this team that are very talented, but haven't seen a lot of minutes at the D1 level. Like Carlos Rosario has all yeah. kinds of potential, but he didn't get a lot of playing time at Washington State. And obviously for this game, he came in and then ended up cutting open his head on a dive for a loose ball and mm. taken out of the game. And we didn't see him again. And I think that was probably because of precautionary reasons in case he had a concussion after smashing his head on the court. But I think these guys are going to continue to get drastically better throughout the season as they get more accustomed to playing big minutes for Drake. Like in Colby Garland, you know, freshman point guard, he ended up with our only two points off the bench, but he played 16 minutes. And I think his playing time will continue to go up as he gets more used to playing. Because at this point... At this point, the game's moving fast for some of these guys. You know, they're out there, they're panicking a little bit. This their first time playing in front of a home crowd, and they're just like, "Holy, shit, this needs to slow down." And I think it will as the season goes on. Yeah. So once Ethan Roberts gets back on the court, I mean, do you think it's Ethan that gets slotted into the starting lineup, and then it's Wright kind of leading the second unit? Because I don't know. I just think he brings such scoring punch. Like he is just so comfortable attacking. Um, so he, he's a he's a fun player to to watch. I could see how 
how that would make sense of having him come in with the second unit and kind of, you know, when Tucker sits down, then he kind of starts taking over. Yeah, that's tough. Coach DeVries said that he likes this small two-guard lineup with Wright and Enright, but just due to the physicality, athleticism, and defense, I don't think you can take Overton out of there. Obviously, you're not going to put DeVries on the bench. Brody can't go. So it's going to come down to Enright and Attenright, I would assume, for who mm. goes to the bench uh, once Robert's back. If Roberts, you know, is is able to come back and, and play to his full potential, you know what I mean? Because maybe he comes that off as a spark plug off the bench. But if he does take a spot in the starting lineup, I would assume it'll be between those two. No, that's a that's a good point. But ultimately, uh, Drake hung on 15.1 at home against Lipscomb. Any anything else that stood out from the game? Any other random thoughts? I will say I'd forgotten about the technicals until you mentioned them. Those were some of the most bizarre technicals I've ever seen in a Division One basketball game. Like right off the bat in the first half, Lipscomb tried to sub someone in who had a number that wasn't registered oh, yeah. in the uh, the scorer's book. So Drake just got two free throws for that. And then later in the game, like it didn't feel like a contentious game to me. Like it didn't seem like there were a lot of cheap jabs or talking, but the Lipscomb players just kept talking to the refs, I guess, and kept getting teed up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it is crazy. I mean, in a 15 point game, Drake got six free free throws, if you want to call it that. And the, I don't know. I mean, you can't, you, you don't know what was said. Maybe they said the magic word. It did seem a little bit like quick trigger on, especially on that first one. Um, but I, Again, who knows what uh, what the Bison said. And and then it was pretty much just like two plays after. So it was like a four-point swing. Well, I guess Tucker missed one of the one of the free throws, but a three-point swing right there. So it's a good win, like we said. I mean, it's a team that does really good things offensively. It's a team that Drake still should beat. And and ultimately they 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 got it done. And now they'll get they'll get ready for their next matchup next week. Yeah, I, the last thing that I have to say just coming out of this is that I think this was great prep for the rest of the season for a first game. Because looking at Lipscomb as an opponent, they have a lot of things that sort of zig where Drake zags. Like you look at their center, which was 6'9", Owen McCormick. Like mm-hmm. He's an agile player who shoots from the outside, which traditionally for Brody has been a tough cover. You know, Brody is a traditional big man who bangs inside outside of when he launches the occasional three against Bradley in the uh, NBC championship <laughs> game. But so, I mean, that's that's a tough cover for him. They had Darren Boyd, who is 6'3", 210 pound guard, which for our point guard roster this year, when you look at Colby, Connor and Atten, if he has to play there, they're all small guys. And then when you put in a giant guard who likes to drive a lot, that's a very tough defensive cover for them. So. I think both of those are putting us in defensive situations that we're going to be in this year and that we have to figure out how to solve. So I think to come out of the NAP Center with a 15-point W uh, was great for us. Yeah, and their and their guards were awesome. I mean, McGinnis had 26, Boyd had 16. They, I mean, they had they had great nights. So uh, as you said, I mean, it's not going to be always that you get a, a team with two dynamic playmakers like they had. So yeah, definitely. That'll be a learning experience and something that they'll have to they'll have to figure out as the as the season goes along. And I also do wonder. Um, I know before the game we had previewed their all a son. I don't know if, whether he's traditionally their center, or their power forward, but Agnasevich. And I I know obviously 
Coach DeVries usually will tailor his defensive approach to shut down the other team's best player. And I wonder how much our approach changed in that first half when they came out with more of a small ball lineup and how much that may have contributed to how we were a half step slow on a lot of the defensive assignments and rotations. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely has an impact. You know, you prepare, you prepare for the game, expecting it to go a certain way based on their personnel. And obviously they came out with a guard heavy lineup and we're doing a great job moving the ball. And, and like I said, basketball is a funny game. Just, it was just a couple possessions to start out where Drake gave them a little bit of airspace and then they got going and then it was kind of, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, stop the bleeding kind of until the second half. But all in all, great game. I was, I was happy with the result to win that game by 15 after giving up that many points in the first half. It's great. Next up, we have a uh, Southwestern Minnesota state. So hopefully that one is a little bit less of a challenge as much as I liked the challenge in this one. Hopefully that one is a little bit smoother ride. Yeah, we mentioned it when we were going through the the non-conference schedule in our last pod. There's not a lot of, quote-unquote, easy games on the schedule for Drake, and this would be probably the easiest uh, on their Southwest Minnesota State, a D2 uh, program. I did see ESPN, I think, has us projected to have a 98.5% chance of winning. Uh, actually, actually, that's dropped to 98.3%. Oh. So. Well, they must they must have I seen think. our initial rotations against Lipscomb and yeah. and that tipped the scales. Um, but in, in all seriousness, I I hope that Drake comes out uh, focused and uses this game to get in a in a good rhythm uh, before the Cayman Islands Classic. And and so yeah, it'll be a good a good game after a tough game against Lipscomb. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's time for your MVC roundup, brought to you by Glowcoat Paint. Drake joined a uh, great opening slate of Valley games. NBC teams went eight and two on opening night. Uh, Bradley beat UAB out of the American Conference. Uh, the only losers were Missouri State at West Virginia and UIC at Cincinnati. Yeah, really good first night for the Valley. Um, everyone kind of took care of business. The Bradley win is nice for the conference. And UIC gave Cincinnati a game, same with Missouri State with West Virginia. So overall, pretty good showing. And then the following night, you and I almost took it away from North Texas, but ultimately came up short. But good first week, as we talked about, the non-conference does matter a lot because that's kind of what sets up your... Is there a potential for a two-bid league? We still hope so in the next couple of weeks will probably play a big role in determining that. I was so bummed when Northern Iowa blew it against North Texas because North Texas looked really good. Obviously, they closed last season winning the NIT. And against UNI, they looked long, athletic, talented. And granted, a lot of teams look long and athletic when they're matched up against UNI. <laughs> right. But uh, they, they looked really good. So I was really hoping that the Valley could grab that win. But uh, Landon Wolf shot came up uh, just off at the buzzer and regulation and then North Texas pulled away a little bit in overtime. So, yeah, well, I mean, we'll keep, we'll keep rooting for the Valley. Like we said, this is the one, the one month that uh, we support teams in the Valley. Uh, It's important that we get these non-conference wins. Uh, And then, you know, Drake, after they play Southwest Minnesota State, we'll have the Cayman Islands Classic coming up and we'll spend a little bit of time on that one. 
uh, next week, kind of breaking down the teams that will be at the Classic. And and hopefully Drake has a, a good a good tournament of games. Yeah, we open with Oakland, and obviously the rest of the tournament has a roster of quality mid-major opponents. So hopefully Drake can can journey over to the Cayman Islands and pick up another tournament championship. That sounds great to me. Or we can just call the season now altogether. You know, Drake is 1-0. Tucker is leading the, the nation in scoring. So we can just call it right now. Yeah. What was the last team to go undefeated? That's, uh, that's a good question. Indiana, I believe. Would Tucker automatically be an All-American for averaging 36 points a game? I still think he doesn't touch uh, Pete Maravich's uh, old records, but I think he would be one of the highest scorers of points per game. <laughs> no one can touch Pete Maravich's scoring except for that that one card from Detroit Mercy that he shot <laughs> 75 times a game in a desperate attempt to. Oh, that's right. Ben was begging the CBI or CIT for inclusion into the tournament so that he could play even more games. Yeah, well, fortunately, Pistol Pete's record is uh, is still standing. Indeed. All right. Well, that's all I got for you. You have anything more? No. Go Drake. Let's take care of business against Southwest Minnesota State, and and we'll be back. All right. Let's go Bulldogs.